0: What you're here for is our guest tonight. Uh, This is not only our guest's debut novel, but I'm gonna say this, you're also the 2012 National Book Award finalist for Young People's Literature. Isn't that awesome? Without further ado, please join me in welcoming Carrie Arcos.
1: This is awesome. This is like a lively book crowd. I love it. Um, well, first of all, I was wondering if you guys could join me in, in a little crowd audience participation before we get started. Um, I was thinking about today and how just how great it is that this is my first book. I've been, you know, wanting this for so long and it's here. It's finally here. And how really, you like, you guys have all come together with me to celebrate my book's birthday, right? <laughs> this is a birthday, right, for Out of Reach. This is, out of, it's, it's, this is the official launch day for this. So, um, Sarah's gonna come on out uh, with uh, our birth, birthday candle. And so, can you please join me in singing Happy Birthday to Out of Reach? <laughs> okay, I promise, it'll be cool, I promise, okay. All right, ready, one, two, three. Happy birthday to you, (laughs) happy birthday to you, (laughs) happy Happy birthday birthday dear out of (laughs) reach, happy birthday to you. Oh my gosh, okay, thank you. It's, it's just me, just go with it. Okay, so uh, I've never done this before. I don't know ha- what you're supposed to do, so whatever. I'll do what I want to do. But I wanted to show you guys uh, the book trailer that we made. Um, some awesome friends of mine got together. Austin Flack, are you in here? Oh man, he's working. Okay. Um, Jenny's standing in. Um, Austin Flack directed this, uh, and then um, Don. Is somewhere in here, right in the front. Dawn uh, produced it with Tribe of Asher Asher Productions and I think uh, Ruth is here as well and she did all this set and, Ruth, you're somewhere. In the back, of course. Ruth, you should be in the front. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I just wanted to show you uh, this trailer that we did to kind of set the the tone for Out of Reach. (laughs)
0: I had finally found some sense of normal. No more looking for him around corners, listening for his voice, waiting. And then, I got the note. You don't know me, but I know who you are. Micah's in trouble, the kind you can't get out of on your own. He's living on the streets in San Diego. He talks about you the most. That's gotta count for something, right? So I decided to find him, bring him home, be the hero. Haven't seen him. Why are you looking for him? But how do you find someone who doesn't want to be found?
1: Don't know. Check on the other side of the pier. It's where the druggies hang. Like.
0: He left us without a word. But I had to try. What's he to you? Dude, After all, Micah was my brother. Sorry. I had to know if I could reach him. Or if he was lost forever.
1: This is chapter one. The first time my mom told me liars didn't go to heaven was when she tried to get me to confess to hitting my eight-year-old brother. I was seven. She had knelt down in front of the brown leather couch where the two of us sat at opposite ends. Micah hugged his left arm, evidence of the deed still a bright red mark an inch or so above his elbow. He whimpered for effect while I remained stubbornly silent. After waiting for some time, my mom stood up and said very softly, You know, Liars don't go to heaven. My mom used this phrase throughout my childhood expecting it would be a deterrent to bad behavior. She didn't know that the thought of pearly white gates, white mansions, and an internal soundtrack of harps disturbed me. I mean, who even listens to harp music? And then there was the singing. I'm sure angels' voices are beautiful and everything, but how long would I be expected to sing? What about the people who were tone deaf? Did that change when they passed on? What kind of food would we eat? What if we didn't get to eat? I was terrified of being sent to a place where I thought I'd be bored out of my mind after 10 minutes. Besides, line came naturally. Who ate the last cookie? I'd point to my brother. Where did my money go? Cut to me shrugging. Are her parents going to be there? My head nodded on cue, though I knew her parents were away for the weekend. I learned to lie by watching Micah. He'd keep his amber brown eyes steady and look mom straight in her eyes. He didn't smile or talk too much to give himself away. He remained calm, quiet even. The trick he told me was that a part of him actually believed the lies. He took me under his wing and we began covering for each other. I didn't tell mom or dad where he was or what he was doing and he didn't tell them whom I secretly dated or when I came home late. We had an unspoken pact. We lied to our parents with ease. We lied to our teachers. We even lied to each other. The truth, everyone lies, every single person, even my mom. When Micah didn't come home one night, she looked at me the following morning and told me he went to visit my uncle in the Bay Area for the summer. She said the change of scene would do him good, and then she raised her left hand to her temple. The subtle movement was her tell. I knew her signs, having studied her my whole life, as if we played some high-stakes poker game together, even if the winnings meant only that I got to stay up a half an hour later. I thought Micah had bailed for the night and crashed at some friend's house like the last time. I didn't allow my thoughts to take me to the darker places. But when I walked into his room and saw his guitar stand lying on its side next to his unmade bed, I knew his Cali girl case was gone. He had taken his Gibson Les Paul. I stood in the middle of his room, very aware of the silence surrounding me and understood that heaven must be a big, empty space. So Out of Reach basically tells the story of this girl Rachel whose older brother struggles with meth addiction and one, um, so he takes off and he disappears and he's gone for a little while and the family has no clue and she ends up getting this anonymous email one night that lets her know that he is somewhere on the streets of San Diego and he's in trouble and so she decides that she's gonna go after him gonna go try to find him gonna go try to kind of like a last-ditch effort to reach her brother and she ends up taking along Tyler who's one of Micah's best friends and you know possible little love interest um, it's YA it needs a little love interest <laughs> but uh, so the two of them go together and so it's basically this story takes place in kind of this 24 hour period where they're searching for Micah and then also interspersed there are chapters that reveal kind of um, Rachel and Micah's relationship and um, kind of where they were, and how, how far they've come, and so it's a story that looks at addiction, but not really from the addict's perspective, but from the perspective of a sibling and family members, which I think is kind of unique. And uh, I hope you guys all enjoy it as much as I enjoyed writing it and sharing it with you. Uh, I want to just say thank you to Skylight Books for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um, for hosting the launch for Out of Reach. Uh, today was, like I said earlier, it was its birthday, and they've just been so great. And, and thank you to all of you guys for coming. This is an awesome crowd. Look around. This is like a book event. People, This is a book event. This isn't a movie, and it's in L.A, and it's books) <laughs> <laughs> yay, people still read, okay? <laughs> and you got a hard copy, wow. It's also available on Kindle. Um, <laughs> if you want that, no. But so thank you for that. And, you know, I just want to um, show you this book is uh, dedicated to my own brother, to Nathan. He's here in the audience right now. So, yay! And, uh, Nathan and I have had a very interesting relationship ourselves and, uh, we've been through a lot so it's, it's, uh, it's just been awesome to, um, kind of be close with him again and, uh, just be friends. So, I love you very much, Nathan. (laughs) Love you, Carrie. Um, and then in the acknowledgments, I just wanted to read that. It's at the back next to this awesome photo. Did you see that photo? That's me, and I look really, I look good. I was like, wow, Hank Fortner, man. Brought out, yeah, I was going to say hotness, but I don't know if it's hot, but I look good, whatever. Okay, so acknowledgements at the back, because so I just wanted to read this out loud as well, to acknowledge some people who are here. Uh, No work of art lives and breathes without being shaped by many hands, and for that I'm profoundly grateful. To my super agent, Carrie Sparks, who saw the potential and said yes, this book would be stashed away in a lonely flash drive if not for you. And that's very true. Carrie's not here tonight. Everybody's back in LA because that's the publishing world. But um, she literally picked it out of a slush pile, you know. So that's pretty awesome to think that, that just a couple years ago and now it's here in your hands, and also to get that National Book nod, that was like, it's crazy, it's crazy. Um, to the team at Simon Schuster who welcomed me and believe, um, believed, Amelia Rhodes, whose initial enthusiastic note started me on the journey, my wonderful editor, Annette Pollert, whose insight and care with this story has made it better than I ever could have on my own, and that is so true. I know a lot of people, they've asked me, oh, how is it working with an editor? Oh my gosh, is that so hard? You know, they basically critique your stuff. And I was like, are you kidding? That was awesome to have someone's eyes on your, my work like that. And she is, she's phenomenal. So, thank you, even though she's not here. Uh, <laughs> to friends and family who supported me, Michelle Dokulis, who is somewhere, right there. Wave, Michelle. <laughs> Michelle is one of my oldest and dearest friends who has always supported my dream of being published one day. So Michelle, for being someone with whom I share the news first, your encouragement and critiques were like water. Ted and Judy Lawler, my parents, (laughs) are somewhere. (laughs) Though they're a little upset, it doesn't say Carrie Lawler instead of Carrie Arcos. so. You know, they wanted it to say, they were like, can't say Carrie Lawler Arcos? You know, and I was like, no. Um, <laughs> so Lawler's here. <laughs> uh, my parents who taught me to follow big, impossible, God-inspired dreams and make them possible. And finally, to my husband, David, right here. Um, this hot Latin man in the front row. Uh, you are the dream maker. This is as much yours as it, as it is mine. Thank you, my love. Which is very true. I would not b- have ri- been able to, written, to write this book without David's constant support and encouragement. And uh, then to Aiden, Matisse, and Judah, my children. This is proof dreams can come true. Yeah. So, okay. um, And I just want to give a shout out. My, high school English teacher. (laughs) And my cry is here. Mrs. Dutton. Hi! (laughs) Man, you were an awesome teacher. Really influenced my life. And um, I just... such great memories of you she was my uh, ninth grade and 11th grade teacher and so it's it's huge to see you here it's like full circle so thank you very very much thank you (laughs) so
0: so does anyone have any
1: questions for carrie
0: (laughs) any questions i know
1: you got them (laughs) or not anyone one i have
0: a question (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> um, especially about addiction, uh, how did you do the research for, the, for that, for the book? Uh, I mean, right? I mean, it's like... I know I'm asking now, it's probably a touchy subject, but yeah. still, I mean, you, it had to come from a place, so... Yeah.
1: Where did it come from? Um, I have family members who have struggled with addiction um, in my family, and so it comes from, it, it does come from a very personal place. Um, so, even though this is a, a fiction, uh, it's not true at all. Nothing in here... Well, there's one thing I did lift from my high school years that's in here. When you get to the part that's the game of risk in World War, their world history class, that really did happen. <laughs> Which is, does seem like it wouldn't, but it did. Um, anyway, but, uh, so it's fiction but it's very emotionally true, I guess I would say. So, um, a lot of it I kind of w- experienced myself and then um, with the stuff, there's some uh, stuff that deals with kind of AA and, and that aspect, I did have to do some research because I never really, I, I kind of knew the first step but I didn't know, you know, everyone says, oh, the 12 steps, and I was like, oh yeah, I don't know what they are. So, you know, I had to like research that and how that's run and, and all that, so, thank you. Anyone else? <laughs> well, hey, hey, <laughs> that's <not it>. um, <laughs> Since
0: you are a mom and mm-hmm. you have Career,
1: when do you find time to write? That's a good question. Um, I, I find it when I can get it, you know. So my husband and I really carved out some time actually to where I'd go like maybe in two hour or three hour increments to the coffee shop. You know, I have a local coffee shop I go to, a certain table I sit at, you know, a place if someone else is there, I get very, I glare at them (laughs) because I have such little time to write, so I have to like sit down and like, um, so yeah, I really had to carve it out. Like, just Sunday last week, I was there from 6 to 8 in the morning, and I didn't want to be there, but I got up, the alarm went off, and I was like, all right, this is it. Either I'm a writer, I'm a writer, I'm not a writer, and writer's write. And so it's like, get up there, go, drink your coffee, and once I'm in it, it's, you know, most of the time it's enjoyable, <laughs> as you know. Gretchen's published a novel, Ten, it just came out, right? Yeah. Last week? No, no last month. Sorry, last no, month. No, no, I, mean. I know it's not, but I just want to say, g- look up Ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it is difficult. I don't get to write as much as I, w- I would like to, but I've also made the choice to kind of um, have that time too with my kids when they're so little, you know. So it's an interesting balance, but it's doable. It's just work. <laughs> yes? Was there anything about the writing Um, let's see, that surprised me. I originally, the, the book itself started out because there's a little bit of a mystery element to it. Um, in the book with the note and like who sent it and, and all that. So originally I had thought it would be kind of more mystery thriller and there was this, like, biker gang, you know, in there and all this craziness happening. And so when it sold, though, they were like, yeah, no, that's not working. (laughs) And so it was like this whole big chunk and so I kind of had to, um, kind of go back and really start and really look at, okay, what's the core of what I'm trying to say rather than all this, like, maybe, you know, extreme stuff coming in. Um, so yeah, it surprised me, I guess, how intimate it became. You know, and how um, it is really, like, really, um, what do you call it, like zeroing in on Rebecca, uh, sorry, Rachel and Micah and, and their relationship. That's really at the heart of it. So, yes, Arlene. Um, I hope that they get a sense of hope um, because for families that are going through addiction um, or have family members who are going through addiction, I hope they can read something like this and get a sense of that, that to, I guess to take courage, you know, and have faith in that there is hope um, and, uh, and you're not alone in that. And uh, it's really... Also though learning kind of how how much do you hold on and when do you need to let go? You know, that tension between the two is really tough to navigate with families when you're going through this. So probably though hope though would be the one. Tim. So
0: those running on four or five or any other ungodly freeway where they can't read on the field. or like running at the roadball. Did you ever venture converting your book to audio?
1: That's a good question. I'm so new at this. I don't know how the publishing world works with that. Um, I know that there are books on audio, obviously, so I don't know how they get chosen. So, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if it will be. But right now it's available in this form and then uh, as an e-reader, so Kindle. So, what are you working on
0: now and how much has that choice been influenced by the nomination?
1: Um, Book two has been a little hard, actually, uh, to kind of uh, find, I guess, because uh, there's the whole business side of publishing and that's what I'm really new at and really kind of learning. I have a huge learning curve, right? So you publish a book and, you know, I have this book. It's, you know, contemporary, realistic. It's kind of dark, a little heavy. So it's like, okay, now what's Carrie's brand? Right? So, what are readers that read this book, what are they going to want to read next from you? So, sometimes there's a little bit of that struggle to find what could be the next best book. Um, So, it's been a little, it has been a little struggle. You know, I have definitely one that's a rough, that's completed, but it's, uh, you know, it's too literary. And I was like, well, I just got a literary award nod. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) No. We'll see what happens with that. Um, Maybe they'll change their minds. I don't know. But uh, I do have one that's more in the vein with this and this publisher, Simon Poles is a publisher that publishes uh, teen commercial fiction. You know? So they're interested in a very specific kind of type of fiction that they publish. But I have another one that I'm working on about a teenage boy who's really struggling with grief. So I think that would kind of go well uh, with this book. So it's, uh, it's called There Will Come a Time at the moment. say, I'm a writer? It's so hard for me to say that. Because, because, I don't know why. I don't know, I usually say, I'm a teacher. I'm a mom. I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm a wife. Um. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't think I've let myself, you know, do that. A writer seems so, like, You know, or like, author. Like I should be in a cafe in France, in Paris, you know, like with Hemingway and like, (laughs) he's dead. But you know, the idea of, you know, just, it's more romantic, right, in our heads of what it really is. No, it's you at 6 a.m. at a coffee house with no makeup on and your hair on top of your head with headphones in, sitting there at a laptop. Really, that's what it is, you know. But, But I'm getting used to it. So I think, I like it, I like the way it sounds. Thanks, Kim. One more? How did you learn about yourself across the writing book? Um, <laughs> geez. You're smart. is it's this girl, it's this woman. She's, she's <laughs> Samantha. Um, I learned that I'm, a, I'm, I'm disciplined. I, I used to think I lacked the discipline. But I learned that I'm disciplined. I learned that I have more courage than I think I do. And uh, yeah, I think that's enough. (laughs) Ladies
0: and gentlemen, author Carrie Arcos.